Ladies and gentlemen, this is another installment of Killinois with Bird and Cam. This is Bird, and as always with me, Cam. Cam, how are you doing, sweetheart? I'm good. I'm good. Um, just another Sunday in the life of 2021. Oh, boy. Yeah, and what? this is our second episode of 2021, so that's progress right there. So, I mean, baby steps is a low bar, but I'll take it any day of the week. Um, guys, um, if you are listening to this, we are doing part two of Molly Young. Uh, that was uh, to kind of tread back. This was a unexplained or unsolved, if you will, death in 2012 concerning a young woman uh, from Carbondale in southern Illinois. Just a lot of questions, more than answers. And what's different from part two to part one is that we have a special guest here. And if you guys have heard on the um, previous, uh, previous episode, I believe it was the Lizzie Borden episode, um, we had this uh, exquisite guest. She is uh, a fellow journalist like yours truly. Um, good old Deb. Deb, how are we doing, ma'am? Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I'm excited. Long, long time. No, see, it's like I said, we did that Lizzie Borden episode, oh boy, about a year and a half ago. Jesus, how yeah, it's been a while. Good, yeah, 2019. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, welcome back, Deb. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Friend of the friend of the show. I mean, like I said, we we all love all our guests, and uh, like I said, we probably have preferential treatment to Deb because she listens to all, all of the episodes and gives us feedback. So that's just road to her. She'll she she's gonna earn her vodka and cranberry on this stuff. That's like three years that you owe me that. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, boy. Memories, memories, memories. Well, we do have a, um, as uh, we were doing the research of this case, um, it was a lot of moving parts. Um, Obviously, this happened in 2012. Things stonewalled over the years. However, with the election in Jackson County, where Carbondale is situated, a lot of changes has happened that might bring new life to this case. And again, this has been, this has almost been a decade odyssey. So, especially for the family of Molly Young, to finally have that glimmer of hope. Again, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But I think, you know, and when we do episodes like this, where it's unsolved or where it is, you know, not a resolution, there's always the glimmer, especially for me, who, who grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries. And I always used to, you know, hope for, say it was a murder or say it was somebody missing. I always used to hope for the update. And I remember I used to get creeped out when it wasn't an update. It's like, oh, my God, you know, the person, you know, who did this is still out there. It's got away with it. Or this person has never been found or has never got justice. So when you do something, we do something like this and then you have kind of like throwing out this bone, if you will. It's something that, you know, might be optimistic, if that makes any sense. What what's your guys' take on that? I definitely have a lot of optimism, um, especially as of recent elections and everything. Prior to this, it was little Molly committed suicide, which again will discuss and why we believe it. Um, but you guys can all make some assumptions. So I'm excited that it's actually been what they this time around and it's finally being taken into consideration. Uh-huh. Um, and you're, you're, you're a take, though? 
yeah, I agree with Cam. Um, with the election, everything changing things, and hopefully this time, you know, things justice will actually be served. Yeah, I hear you on that. And what before we get down to business, Cam, could you hit the good folks with a disclaimer? Absolutely. Um, so thanks for coming back again, guys. We're just doing what we do, and that's to report. Um, we get our notes from multiple different sources, police reports, newspaper articles, online articles, uh, interviews. If there's anything that seems incorrect or needs to be added on to, do let us know at Illinois Birmingham on Facebook. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Um, again, we're just here to report. Do not take um, our medical advice verbatim. Do not think we're doctors or anything past reporters. Um, we're just here to tell the story. So let's do this shit. All right. You guys ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready to do the damn thing. Are you All ready right. to do the damn thing, Gaps? All right. Well, ready. in that case, we talk about and, and kind of bring back up from part one. And uh, we mentioned uh, Richie Minton's roommate, Wes. And he was working that night into the early hours on the morning of Molly's death. And Wes receives this text from Molly around a quarter to five stating that Richie was in a very visible state of inebriation. And then she goes on to say that after snooping on Richie's phone, she found sexually suggestive texts between Richie and another woman. And finally, Molly ends the text with a quote, I think I'm going to shoot myself in the head. I'm really sorry if you came home to that. So Wes returns home, goes to his room, doesn't see anything right out the ordinary and goes to bed until he's awakened by Richie at 7 a.m. Let him know that, hey, Molly is unresponsive and he can't find his phone. Now, if you guys remember from part one, uh, we discussed the discrepancy with Richie and his phone and even Molly just committing suicide to place that she thought she was coming over to help. Um, so back at around 7 a.m., uh, the police at this time, they start to canvas the crime scene. They find Molly's computer and allegedly just reveal searches from the day prior containing the word suicide. Now, from a standpoint perspective, we've seen instances in crimes where an electronic is recovered by law enforcement. And internet searches can pretty much turn up damning purchases or searches. So, for example, we don't have to look much further than the Kristen Moss case, where you can also find an article in their archive. Um, but in which, after the police be asked into Benoit's computer, they find explicit searches that prove guilt in the murder of the family and mental suicide. And like many other cases, too, where you find, you know, how to get rid of a dead body or how, do, how, do, how long it takes to, you know, suffocate someone. Um, but adding to Molly's computer searches were Molly's old journals. And these had many, many references to depression that implies that it's an impending sense of doom and it, it's going to happen. So from this vantage point, to some people you can see, I guess, with the naked eye, black and white, that perhaps this was a troubled woman who was quietly battled with this mental illness to the point of desperation that I felt I've exhausted all options. I think it must, it must be the best way for me just to check out. However, 
it would come out, according to Molly's father, that the journals were not recent, but well written over a year ago, like we stated earlier, when she had her cancer scare. Now, this is actually really important for two reasons. One, which is the obvious, the timeline of establishing suicide as a twin tamper, and more importantly, the reports of the journal was during her cancer scare, which again, we glanced about in part one. When she thought she was going to die, of course you want you talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we were saying, that really makes sense, you know? You think your life's going to end, and so you begin this mental preparation towards the transition. If you think you're going about you're about to die, you're going to feel very downward. And would you not write? I mean, I sure as hell would if I was in that situation. I mean, oh hell yeah! Like, let's just say if I get, you know, God forbid, I get in a I get diagnosed with cancer, and I have to get my affairs in order. You fucking think I want to be all hunky dory like ooh, 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 ooh. it's the sun is out? Like, no nah, man, I'm fixing to take a dirt nap. So it's just like. It's a lot of, it's, it's very, it's a heavy thing to process and to wrap your head around mm-hmm. it. And especially in the case of, you know, Molly, when she had that cancer scare and she, at the, the young age that she had, and she's like, wow, I've had my, you know, I, I'm, I'm fixing to have my whole life ahead of me. And it might just get taken away just like that. And the cruel irony is that even surviving this scare, it happens. I mean, that's kind of the sad thing of this, right? Well, not to mention that. Sorry, go ahead, Cam. No, 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 Deb, you go on. You go. <laughs> I was gonna say not to mention that if, if you have a scare like that, like why would you think like even a year later somebody would try to commit suicide? True. Like, depression doesn't necessarily mean they have thoughts of suicide as well. It, it doesn't really coordinate with this, you know, situation. Okay, good point. Yeah, and and for her being so young and thinking that you do have some have something related to cancer, I would be freaking out. You know, when I was in high school, I had, like I stated in part one, all these journals I had to write in. And God forbid if my heart was broken, my world was ending. So, granted, in high school, it's a couple years different, but I can't imagine in your early, you know, your late teens, early 20s, that you're not going to be freaking out. Right. You've got your whole life you and all of a sudden it can be taken away from you in the blink of the eye. I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. Right. I always, always keep my journal entries just in case. Yeah, and, and that's something that um, we talked about in part one about you know journals, and I had mentioned that for me it was I didn't keep a journal per se, even as I fashioned myself a writer, and Facebook for me, was kind of like an outlet when they had the, the notes app. And it just allowed me to express myself. It allowed me to not internalize things, which is why I'm very heartbroken that Facebook, fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg, by the way, but that Facebook took away notes app. And it's just like, well, shit, you know, I, 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 was, I was writing this poem and, like, it took me a long time to do it. And I was about to post it on Facebook and it was gone. And it's like, well, fuck. And it's very deflating, but like to kind of just, you know, bring it back to what we're talking about, like, you know, journal is like, that's our personal, you know, solitude. That is where we can be vulnerable and we can strip down these layers and be free. So, yeah, I mean, that can 
I, I can really see to that, you know, what you're talking about in terms of, you know, writing journals and that's being a the ultimate safe space. It too that we talked about you're not always gonna be a happy person. And I swear to God, if someone's always happy and they always have their life together even when shit happens. Oh yeah. Then I need I need to know how they do that. <laughs> and on top of that, I think too, I, I believe she you were talking about in part one, she just recently had an abortion. Uh-huh. So that's not something that you just one day like wake up and say, Oh, I'm gonna have an abortion and I'm gonna be totally completely fine. That really takes a toll on women. And I don't think people understand the emotional toll that abortions actually take on people. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if she had journal entries where she talked about feeling empty recently because she she literally just got rid of something that was a part of her. Right. And you know, while we're talking about journals and, and, and safe spaces and whatnot, you know, this is where the story gets really more interesting. We talk about those computer searches, right? So Molly's uncle happened to be a former detective, takes it upon himself to conduct an investigation on behalf of the family. And as for the text in question that we were talking about with the roommate, Wes, uh, they theorized that Molly didn't send this text, but rather was Richie. Now, at first... You look at this and you're like, as I as did I when I'm doing it, when I saw the, the, the video. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, the family doesn't want to believe that she took her own life. Like, who wants to? And it's just a, a very debilitating blow to be reminded of that, you know, a loved one, especially your child, took their own life. And you're going to have, like, this ultimate sense of guilt. Like, what could I have done? So, I guess as a defense mechanism, maybe they create... Like, okay, maybe there was a there was an explanation for this. However, if you get and 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 the reason why this credence that perhaps she was not making those texts, here's the thing. You can get in anybody's phone, right? Hell, and you can make a text from like any phone. Like I just did it earlier this morning on my grandma's phone. Like she was sending she was sending some text messages to my aunt's uh for church and of course you know she's a grandma so working the phone working a smartphone you know that's where the grandson comes in and you know i'm sending out these texts so and they and and my aunts can't tell the difference they think it's her so it just shows to show you that we don't know who is you know behind the person in us text it's not like you can find you know fingerprints or whatnot but, and I think I'm going to go to hell for cursing in the same sentence as using church, but, you know, fuck it. And owing to this text quandary, they have another really good reason to believe why she didn't access that phone in the same time. And remember the search, the, the computer search that mentioned suicide. So, this family investigation results in multiple interviews, including one of particular note. A friend of Molly's alleged that at the same exact time that her computer searches were inputted, he was in fact at a concert with Molly. So when these quote-unquote searches of suicide and all that were being entered, both Molly and Richie were at, were at a concert. So remember though, this is like 2012. So this is back in the day where you make a search on your phone and it wasn't synced neatly 
in promptly in a laptop as it is today. So it's not connected to your Facebook, that's connected to your Instagram, that's connected to your Google. So you can definitely see the difference of advancements in technology. Uh -huh. So like we are saying, there's this question. If Molly's at a concert with a witness at the exact same time that the search is being inputted onto her computer, computer or laptop, then who's doing it? Is it Molly? Is she in the middle of a concert and goes, yeah, you know what, I think I'm going to do this. She's a witch. That's, and, like, that's probably got to be the only, like, it's no, there's no way that somebody can be two places at the same time unless they're, like, fucking Superman or the Flash or whatnot. It's, I mean, I, it, I think at the most, if it's 20 plus, let's say she's got the most advanced iPhone, which isn't as advanced it is now, mm -hmm. and let's say hypothetically it is synced up to her laptop for some odd reason. Mm -hmm. Why would you be doing that in the middle of a conference? Right. Like, I'm, I, I just don't, I don't get that. Like, you're, this is like, every concert I've been to in a depression cycle or not, it's something I've looked forward to and I've had fun every at every single one I've gone to, even if I don't like the band. Have a great time. Yeah, like a uh, quick, quick sidebar. Um, I remember for my my graduate my graduation gift during grad school, my um, my job where I was interning, they gave me tickets to see Boston. Now, Boston is a group from the 1970s. I was born in the 1990s, so it's like a huge like culture shock and I remember I was feeling I was feeling a little down because you know I'm contemplating it, it finally hit me that you know I was living in Springfield for so much you know so for so long that just pretty soon I'm gonna move back to Chicago it felt like I'm not institutionalized but I remember I was feeling down and yeah it's got Wi-Fi like I'm not thinking right about suicide because hey they playing some music and it's like wow this 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 gets me in a good vibe so it just doesn't you know it just for me it doesn't compute no pun intended. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And then you weren't just so restricted, like, on, like, the day before her death or something. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 how conveniently it was not, exactly. like, if somebody was planning this, it would be for days, probably. Like, it wouldn't be, like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm just going to do this quick search, and then mm -hmm. that's and, and that's a, And that's a great point, because as we, not, not to get ahead of ourselves, I'm glad you brought that up, because there is going to be something that comes out from Richie while we're talking about computers and internet what's not that really kind of just baffles the mind when we're talking about hmm, perhaps this was premeditated perhaps this wasn't a uh, lover's quarrel or a, a passion a heat of the passion whatnot so that's that is important food for thought as we get along so like you're saying let's just go back to police so police handling of Richie which is just a testament the questionable methods of this Corbindale police investigation. And in the world of where you need your phone, it would be a full two months before the police would take Richie's phone. And if it's anything related to murder, missing, or death, that's a lifetime that we have the ability to destroy any evidence, is it not? Huh? But more directly with the crime scene in question, any police department, wannabe, or mall cop, whatever type of law enforcement you want to be, 
all know that all items at the scene are considered evidence. Yes. So if a gun went off in a house and no one knew why they would allow him to just do whatever. So we all know how gunshot records work. And be so trusting of rich words is what ultimately leads us at the standstill today. Which just it's so it's so fucking astonishing. Now, put it like this. If I was, God forbid, let's just say I was in Richie Minton's uh, shoes and my significant other happened to be, uh, I'm not going to use Molly Young, but let's just say it's just Jane Doe, whatnot. And this person loses her life in the same fashion that Molly Young does. Do you think that they're going to let my black ass wash up Take my sweet ass time and then say, hey, you know, I have no numbers to do. I have no other stuff. You actually think they're going to let me do that in fucking Carbondale? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I just, I'm just still blown away because we talked about in part one about his phone. And there's this controversy that, you know, allegedly his roommate says he. They found Richie's phone in the sink in the bathroom. Uh -huh. And then there's something mentioned about Richie woke, woke up to a co-worker texting him on his phone, which means his phone was arm's length. So this whole concept of him not knowing where his phone is, it's just the idea of saying, oh, I don't know where it is. Maybe the police won't look for it because they trust me because I work for the police or, right. or, or what, because... I'm still mind-blown that that wasn't taken immediately. Hers was, but, and I and I don't know, I would assume so is Wes's, his roommate's, but I don't, I just don't understand. Right. So, one thing, the whole oh, house yeah, yeah. would be, like, a, mm -hmm. like, the whole house would be considered a crime scene. Like, nothing would be able to walk out of there. Like, every, very, yes. yeah, everything is supposed to be preserved. Like, that's like, that's like crime scene one-on-one. You're not supposed to do anything that can compromise it because it gets contaminated. We see it so many times that things that are that are seen to be the smoking gun gets thrown out and is inadmissible because it's been touched with, it's been tampered with. So the fact that he just allows them, especially when you have very sensitive information that might be the keys to, to, to solve this, it just it, it's it's very it's very inadequate. Uh, work on their behalf. It, it really and is. I too, if it was like a town of a hundred people who have never seen a crime, da, 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 but it's a town that has a college in it. And crime happens not every day, but there's an, crime happens at least enough a year for them to understand that the crime scene should have been preserved. And so that's where I'm still mind blown because. It's not like this is their first rodeo, literally. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And so once Richie was with the investigator, he begins to be paint a different, completely different story of Molly's life. So Richie goes on to tell police that Molly was abused as a child and she tried to kill herself before and actually early in the week with prescription drugs. That is why he assumed she OD'd. It was confirmed by police records that Richie attempted to reach out to her multiple times that night before. 
and he claims that it was because he was so drunk that he needed help. And I, I've been, uh, God forbid, I've been in situations where I get so drunk and I will text people and then not even know that I texted. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> shut up. Uh, so, so I've, uh, I, I, I can understand from that, that sentiment of sorts. So as for when Molly actually shot herself, Richie can't say. After she came over, he passed out drunk and must have slept through it. He claims she was depressed and shot herself. Okay, seems logical. But again, a gunshot in your room would sound like a firework going off, which was not heard by Richie. And I'll say this. I, um, I think I alluded to this in part one. Um, I've lived with multiple people before, right? And they're deep sleepers. My brothers, my roommates, friends, what have you. I have this reputation. I don't confirm it, but others do, that I'm a deep, that I'm a, I'm a uh, big snorer, right? So much that you've had people who are deep sleepers. Well, like, fucking, like, they'll look at me like, I can't, I, I can sleep well, but when you're fucking snoring, you just, and it's a snore, much less yep. a gunshot. And it's so far, it's like, I never. I, I remember this person that I met one time, and it was with, we were all at a friend's, like, dorm room. So, this one person in the dorm room, that was their dorm room, their room, or, we were friends with their roommate, and their roommate kept sleeping through their alarms, like would not wake up to their alarms for the life of them. And that's the only time I could imagine somebody not waking up to it. But then I think maybe, maybe he was so drunk he heard it, woke up, didn't know he woke up, and then went back to bed. You know, like I've done things where like, I wake up and do something and then I go back to bed and I have no recollection of me doing it. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, but just just kind of getting back to, like, look, a gunshot in your room would sound like a firework going off. Like, hell, I live in a very, shall we say, dangerous part of Chicago. I have been asleep and waken, been awakened by gunshots that occurred the next block, around the block. And we're talking from hundreds and hundreds of feet and there's times where I was very drunk. And I was like, oh boy, oh, they shooting again. Oh fuck, got it dug down. But we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of feet. And this motherfucker was like not even less than six feet from this woman. He has a gunshot and he doesn't hear it? What, yeah. what, what the fuck? Your ears you would be ringing. Oh, hell yeah. So, Molly Young, and now let's talk about the gunshot, uh, if you will. Molly Young was shot on the left side on the top of her head in close blank range and it appeared to be executed on the left hand. However, Molly was right-handed and complicating matters more, there was no gun residue found on her hands. So, okay, ladies, let's 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 kind of let's kind of draw, draw back for a second. And some of the notes I, I did look at was, didn't they say that, like, it, they thought the gun, like, she was holding the gun, like, mm -hmm. allegedly she was using the gun six to eight inches away or something like that? Mm -hmm. Well, I just recently, I'm going to have to send you the episode, but I just recently watched 
some murder episode on um, crime. And they were talking about just the trajectory. Was it FBI files? No, it was it was something else. It was like FBI files, but it was mm-hmm. something else. Long story short, they talked about it's more likely for you to kill yourself by the gun touching you. So right. you would have a different entrance hole than you would if it was mm-hmm. a certain amount of weight. They say it is almost uh, like almost unlikely, extremely unlikely to shoot yourself with your non-dominant hand six, eight inches away. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't. And then, I mean, think about this. So Molly went, goes out of her way to assist someone. Uh, her ex, her boyfriend, who she just broken up, you know, remind you, just to kill herself. By using her non-dominant hand in an obscure angle, like these are warning his roommate, not her family. Yeah, just roommate. Like I hate to see you walk into this. Anything. Not to mention that, just in general, just not finding any gunpowder in her. Like that's that in itself should be very obvious that it's not a suicide case. It's not. Like it makes it makes no sense. There's a lot of people that I know not in the gun, the gun enforcement, oh my God, not in the field of handling guns that say, well, gunshot residue can be wiped off really easily. So she could have accidentally wiped it off on her hand after she shot After herself. she shot herself in the head, close blank range. That's that's one hell of willpower, right? Like, <laughs> or, or since Richie moved her, that's how it got wiped off. Hmm. Like, I don't think it would be gone though. No. But like, also if the gun was that far away from her head, wouldn't it be more like more of a mess? Like yeah. it would, it would be obvious what happened when he walked in. He would not be able I mean he would see more blood everywhere. I'm sorry, but if I get a text message like that from somebody in my room, I'm waking all you motherfuckers up. <laughs> I'm turning on all the fucking lights and I'm banging pots and pans and I'm gonna flip the shit. And whoever decided to text me this, because that's not acceptable. But but like so for him just to be like whatever. Uh-huh. It just makes it's insane. It's it is absolutely insane, and it makes me feel like he. Let's say, let's say hypothetically, Wes had no idea about it. Well, right. he helped Richie hide the fact that he did it. Uh-huh. Somebody did it. And they both know. And I mean, I, I think and it's one thing that's come abundantly clear that uh, wh- wh- whoever's listening to this, that these are just red flags to us. But to the people who are investigating this, the Carbondale police, they don't. They don't see this. And if you're not from Illinois, because there are people who listen to us and, you know, they're from, we have listeners all around. I was shocked. I looked at the analytics. We had, we had a few from, we had three from, from the United Kingdom. So they're like, what in the bloody hell is oh, Illinois? Right? <laughs> it's a, world, it's a worldwide takeover. So if, if, guys, even if you're from the country, if you're not from Illinois, you would not know what Carbondale is unless you went to college there. Oh, good times when I went to go to the Carbondale for, to party. But I understand there are some areas, and I've driven around the East Well, not drive, because I can't drive for shit, but as a passenger, we've, we've been to areas 
where this is so small that they don't have a police officer there. So small that they've never seen experienced crime like this. And we've covered episodes in the past where it's, you know, you see that we always see in true crime documentaries. Oh, it's a small town. Uh, we don't have murder here. That's in the big city. So you, you, you might you might have some semblance of fact in that regard. But, I mean, this isn't the first time they've incorrectly gathered evidence information to solve it correctly. Like, it's just... You talk about just buffoons. Like, we're no... As we stated in the disclaimer, we're no fucking Sherlock Holmes and Watson. We're not, we're not Stabler... Or Liv Benson. We're not fucking Perry Mason. Like, we're logical people who, like, see very valid holes as, like, you know, this stuff looks like it's foul play. But the people who are professionals, whose job it is to solve this, and then when you factor in the possible conflict of interest, I mean, you just, it's like, it's as the fix is in. Is it not? I just don't don't understand. Okay, let's say hypothetically she did commit suicide herself. Uh Uh-huh. There was still not enough research to confirm that. Right. She still didn't do shit to confirm that they just looked at it and they're like, oh, well, Uh if you work for us, we trust them, so Uh it must be it. Let's not do any more research. Like like the motive... On the surface, the motive was, okay, you might get with it, but then as you dig deep and as you scratch beneath the surface, we saw that each case of the motive of old, yes, we're not, nobody's debating that she, she must have felt some depression. We all, in sense, you know, deal with mental illness, but not in, in a sense of suicidal ideation. So those, those explicit examples that Richie and the police had came to or whatnot, those were dismantled, and thoroughly so. So you just take that out of the window. You take the the the, the motive, and you take the the means is just so fucking ass backwards. Like, who in the right fucking mind, unless you're not getting paid off, will believe this is suicide, and that this is not foul play? It just makes no fucking sense. It doesn't. I mean, just piggyback what you were saying about, you know, middle, living in the middle of nowhere, basically. Like, or, like now, you know, it's most people have TVs. Like, they've seen at least one crime show. Mm-hmm. Like, they would at least find some, some things about this that are very, uh, like, they don't coordinate, they're very fishy. And it's just, in general, this was a toxic relationship. There's there's a motive. There's there's mm-hmm. a reason to believe that we will be a top suspect. Yeah. And coming from, like you're saying, we all have some type of, mental illness, I'm trying to relate, coming from someone who I do have mental illness, I'm trying to relate on Molly's concept because, you know, I do have depression and I do have other things wrong with me. So it's like, okay, well, you know, everybody's got differently. So like, I'm trying to relate with, you know, being a depressed individual and I just can't see myself going out of my way when I'm depressed, wanting to help someone just uh-huh. to kill myself. Yeah, because this is um, like... And I don't mean to make it sound rude or anything, but right. I know when I'm at my lowest low and somebody needs my help, that's what gives me the will to want to do more. And Fuck to yeah. And to help them, not to be like, well, I'm going to make him, I'm going to screw him over because uh-huh. he made 
my life miserable and it was just the sugar on top of this miserable life I had and my father didn't love me which is a bullshit lie because look at everything he's done to uh-huh. get justice for his daughter so. yeah it, it, it kind of kind of you know to add on that yeah like you know so somebody who also suffers with mental illness and you know I have my periods where it's just like an ebb and flow and it's a roller coaster especially when I'm just really when it's just in that dark gutter when you know somebody when a friend or when somebody reaches out and it kind of it's like a renewed sense of purpose it's like well you know I'm, it's it's here from you know I'm entrusted to help you know this person's entrusted me in a vulnerable situation in their own regard to you know confide and, and try to help them out and it's just like you know it gives me some kind of sense of pride it gives me some sense of you know I can I can be there for somebody and hey, you know, it might not. It, it makes me feel some. It makes me feel better about myself in some weird way. Like it's it's it's, 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 it's yeah. It's yeah. like this altruism of 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 sorts. Yes, exactly. And it just it fulfills that weird crack that depression puts in our little hearts. You know, it it fills in the sense of my mom likes to tell me that I. I have a bleeding heart for things that need help. Uh-huh. And I think very much that relates to with me having depression and stuff and the whole concept of, you know, I don't want people to feel the way I do. So it may be if I yeah. help them, they won't see me feeling that way and I can hide that and I get a new feeling of being wanted. Oh, hell yeah. Oh. Not to mention that if she had wanted to, like, you know, for sake of a better word, like screw them over. You know, like this wouldn't have been, like she wouldn't even have tried to come over there to help them out. Like she would just been like, no, I'm not gonna be there. I mean, I would think that somebody you know would normally not agree to that if you're not really um, willing to be there for someone. Well, yeah, it's just it just makes it it it. I guess just kind of when you look at the whole the whole gra- when you grasp the whole situation of Richie is reaching out to her and say hey I'm kind of in this this sticky spot I'm going to divert all of my energy and then within 12 hours I wind up dead it's like just I find from part one that um you talked about how Molly's mom mentioned that he was very uh controlling them of the sense of he would say things like that too where he'd say, oh, well, I can't go on without you. Uh He did things like that to her back. That narcissist shit. To her, she thought maybe he was going to do something drastic to hurt himself. Right. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like, uh, as as, as Deb alluded to earlier uh, a few minutes ago about you know, this was a very, very toxic relationship between Richie and Molly where, and again, if the police know, if, if the police is armed with this acknowledgement, why are you giving him so much leeway of taking his word when you know, okay, this is a, this is very, this isn't what he, the, the, the things that he is saying, it's not black and white, it's gray and it's being distorted to shine him in a better light and then put in his while in the process putting her down and making it seem like well 
this was she was she was having ideations and she finally said that she was going to do and it was inevitable so i mean it's just it, it doesn't like it just it just this is just a very baffling there's just a missing piece and it doesn't make sense that she would go commit suicide mm-hmm. at trying to help and tell her family anything um after she just experienced you know an abortion and the way her family made it sound like is she had plans like a lot of people who get perfect that don't exactly have plans. Right. Or at least written down plans or set plans for the future. Uh-huh. It's just it's just fishy for me. The thing I, I, I um I think about this story that I'm very glad you guys covered is that a lot of people, you know, experience toxic relationships. It could be somebody really close to you, you can least expect it. And um, I think this really highlights how often people just go like, oh, it's just a toxic relationship. Like, they disregard it as another case, but how serious it could really be to the point where someone can actually wind up dead, Mm -hmm. gone. A relationship that's just gone. It's a a, a stark cautionary tale of what happens when this is unchecked and when you have the, the, the balance of power in one really disproportionate state and they have the means to essentially, in a lot of people's eyes, get away with it. And it's 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 very scary, in a sense. It really is. And it is. And I think yeah. it, in this case also, sorry, uh, I think this case also just brings together like it brings it brings together a lot of you know people alert of a lot of issues, not just um, unhealthy relationships leading to tragic events, but you know, mental, we mentioned mental health, we mentioned, it's just so many things that, you know, people don't really talk about sometimes, and I think this case exemplifies the need for us to actually talk about these things. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, like you were stating earlier, um, with Ricky stating that, oh, well, she tried to commit suicide earlier, you know, in the week. I'm sorry, but it's you were that depressed, wouldn't you be getting help? Like, uh-huh. if you try to commit suicide, don't they admit you against your will for at least at least a week or something? Yes. Uh, as I'm aware so of. That's where yes. I just, yeah. So, for that to be the assumption that she, not the assumption, that stated that, oh, she tried to commit suicide earlier in the week, let alone let's say even that month, it just blows my mind because usually they're on high watch for at least a week to a month. So I, I don't know. I just, I feel like if that was the case, there would be more precautions for her to be protected and safe. But again, that's the stigma that we just recently started looking into and depression and all that but um, as the police came by 10 a.m. Richie actually already had his parents and a lawyer at the police station and that's not the only thing Richie had Richie also had two six inch scratches on his side and these scratches were fresh too so 
where did these come from, you might ask? According to Richie, he stated he must have gotten these scratches when he was allegedly performing CPR on Molly after she committed suicide. So, allegedly, he did CPR in seven minutes after he already called and said she's OD'd and she's dead. Um, and have I told you, too, you need to administer CPR far for a far longer period than seven minutes? And I'm pretty sure you should probably try doing it before you call 911 to save someone, but I don't know. No. I've never had to be in that position before. So, yeah. if a person is dead or non-responsive, how do they have the power to apply pressure and dig their nails into you? So that's a little confusing. And the fact that the police didn't even look twice at that blows my mind. And I just, I just, I, I just, I don't know. And also too, remember when Richie first said that she od So was he performing CPR then? Huh. And if so, if she OD'd and was already dead, how did she create the scratches again? Again, like we were stating earlier, we're, we're not professionals in the field, so maybe we're wrong. If someone can let me know, I know weird things happen to a body when, when you die. Sometimes somebody told me that like when a body dies, it's hard because all the gases are coming out. That so is true. Maybe you can scratch someone when you die. I don't know. I was like, maybe you can scratch that. Them. I've never heard of. I but the know. fart, but the fart thing that I do, uh, um, I do know about that. Uh, the scratching, never heard of it. Yeah, the I mean, I've heard, I've heard of, but sorry, I've heard that it's like bodies sometimes get twitch or something. But I mean, that's still like, how would you? How I? It doesn't make sense to me how those scratches would yeah, get there. Like, but, but to scratch and to have some type of force to leave a mark. The whole best part about this, like I was saying, was the police seemed to accept that answer. Like, I'm sorry, they're just like, oh, it's fine, okay, that makes sense. Like, I would get it if it was like the 1900s, Lizzie and Lizzie Borden said it, and they're like, oh yeah, it makes total sense. But it's, it was 2012. Yeah, like so, you would have done like a swap or something, DNA, uh, some kind of evidence. Yeah, anything. Look under her nail. I thought there. I thought I read a report that said she did have stuff under her nails, but I could be making shit up. Um, but like we were saying, the most damning of this all was Richie was able to wash up before having his first first formal interview. Oh, and accordingly fuck? enough, we talked about no gun residue on Molly, and there was no gun residue on Richie. But again. When you're washing up, what's one motherfucking body part that is a washing substance that is going to be used first? And no, I don't mean the areas both men and women clean for other reasons, but it's the fucking hands. Uh-huh. So there's this entire potential standard of proof that there's some certainty that perhaps viable evidence could have been washed up. Now, again, we don't know what happened. We weren't there. But it's a little fishy that they tested Richie's gun or gun hand after he washed up, not before. Now, we've been going on and on about this case. And you're probably wondering to yourself, so did, did Richie get arrested? And actually, in a surprise move, Larry, along with the rest of Molly's family, would get a chance to make this case. 
10 months after Molly's death, a special coroner's inquest was con um, conveyed in to take another look. Now, in spite of all of this evidence, this death was originally ruled a suicide. And the coroner's jury was to find cause and manner of death only, accidental, criminal, or undetermined. Her journal from eight years prior and last entry was nine months prior, Larry said. But they say that's how the inquest went. And it was a sham, a total sham, says Lamont. And Charles Lamont, who acted as the family's spokesperson during this time, says they weren't allowed to present any of their own findings or any of their evidence. So why do they think, why do we think this snowballed to this result? So we've been mentioning so that. You, you go, Count, you go. It, it just shows that, again, you know, we're not lawyers or anything, so I don't know how it works in the court, but there's evidence, proven evidence, that shows she wasn't, she didn't commit suicide. How is that not brought to court in, in, in one way or another? Mm -hmm. and, and we really haven't, as we haven't dwelled into really the significance of Richie Minton's parents. And the fact that, number one, he was a 911 dispatcher. So he has, he has friends in high places. And he has family in high places. And they're able, again, it's not been succinctly, I guess, proven without a shadow of a doubt, but they have the means to ensure that such decisions can sway in their favor. And it just makes no, it makes no earthly fucking sense that you have all of this stuff that we find is with that for ten months they ruled it a suicide. I mean, just just off of the physical evidence, just off of the fact in terms of how the gunshot uh, was administered, like they still, for some fucking reason, rule it a suicide. And then following this inquest, they rule it undetermined, and which has been where it stands to this day. So yes, we've been talking about this case, and we've been talking about why charges were never brought up. However, as we mentioned in the beginning of at the top of the episode, there has been a lot of moving parts within the last several years, especially within the last several months. But that said, let's talk about Molly's Law. And this was uh, legislation sponsored by Terry Bryant. And essentially, Molly's Law mandates that agencies have to turn over documents requested through an FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, within 30 days or face stiff penalties. So, again, Richie Minton had two months, ladies. He had two fucking months to do God knows what with his phone before it was eventually handed over to the police. And here's another thing. Richie Minton's father was a forensic, uh, uh, a one of those forensic experts who specialized in the, you know, when you're those, those, the, with the data and you can wipe it out, like... Technology and everything, yeah. So, I mean... For the police, for the police, he was specialized in that. And last fall, there was a fantastic write-up on the Daily Egyptian. This was a local paper in Carbondale, and this is a sidebar, and I know Deb can attest to this, as we were both newspaper people, 
in our days. We cannot, I cannot distress, distress the importance of these small town newspapers because of stories like this and keep us informed, especially in uh, this Trumpian days, if you will. But that said, um, like every, every county last November, Jackson County had elections. Uh, two seats that were up for grabs were the state's attorneys and the coroners. Joe's, uh, oh boy, I'm going to botch this. Joe Cervantes, I think I got it, and Alex Crawshaw were attempting to unseat Jackson County's current coroner and state attorney, Thomas, oh, I'm really going to fuck this one up, Thomas Cupferfer, Cupfer, there we go, Cupfer, what the fucking name is that, Cupfer? I'm so, oh God. And Mike Carr, respectively. Both Cupfer and Carr were in office at the time of Molly Young's death. And again, as we, we stated, despite the probable cause suggesting that Molly Young met foul play, Cupfer, after the, the suicide ruling and intent, after the inquest had changed to undetermined, left it at that. And the Young family tried desperately to get Mike Carr to prosecute, but the, the state's attorney didn't budge. And according to the Daily Egyptian article, very young, Molly's father had stated, I will never, ever forget Mike Carr telling me on July 1st, 2013. But this is about a year now after Molly's death. And he states to him, if you keep pushing this, I will close this case. And according to this, according to a Illinois, Illinois State Police letter that Young received two weeks later, that the Jackson State County attorney closed the case. However, after a lot of public, sh a public shitstorm outcry, if you will, Carr kind of retract and said, oh, well, this case is kind of open, but it's just in quasi. But that said, Cervantes said if he was the state attorney at the time of Molly Young's death, he would have prosecuted Minton because of probable cause that has been presented. And he said, quote, unquote, I would prosecute him. And I think that it's clear that there was probable cause for an arrest. And, excuse me, oh my gosh. Um, when interviewed, Carr uh, said he cannot speak on Molly's case because he's been rescued or recused from the case and did not want to use it to campaign. So that's not really good start either. Mm. And Kupferer said that much of the investigation was out of the jurisdiction of his office, which, if that was the case, I do understand that. But say that from the beginning. Don't say that after you're about to lose your seat. And as for the coroner, Kupfer said, I had no, put at, no input after the determination of the death. It was all the jury's decision. So again, he's placing blame on everyone but himself. Sounds like a lot of Politicians, you know. Ah. So, as it turns out, Mike Carr lost his seat to Joe Cervantes, while Tupper retained his. So, it will be interesting to see what happens as these things move along. Obviously, we're living in the age of COVID, so there really appears to be a lot of standstills. I would like to think, but, I mean, again, if you think for the family of Molly Young, there's this now renewed belief that justice will be served, and that's something she deserves. And one thing for note, sidebar if you will, about a week before Molly Young's death, Richie actually posted on his Tumblr, which is a website online, 
drops of lead are poured down upon her head until she's dead. Now, this is a quote from the notorious Son of Sam serial killer. And this evidence was among the list of many things that the young family advocated in the special inquest. But it was never introduced. And, and what's even more crazy about that, that was the same day that they got the abortion. So, I mean, to quote the fucking Son of Sam, like, and knowing this, they tried to get it, and Mike Carr said, no, this is, this is unmissable. I'm assuming that's how he talks. So, so before we end, Cam, I guess to kind of wrap this all in bow, and I, 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 toss up, I, th- I toss up this volley to Deb as well. I, I, I want you guys to kind of just tell us, tell us what you think happened on that night in 2012. Well, I can't tell you what happened that night. But what do you think happened? That's what I should, that's how I should have, should have phrased it better. I think I want to start it in the sense of, you know, if you look at it from what the evidence was collected, yeah, sure, I could see it looks like suicide. But from the, what we've researched in the the way both the roommate and Richie acted after the case and seemed to coincidentally leave the state, quote unquote, because they needed to restart their life and all these actions, it really points to murder. And I don't know if it was by accident. I don't know if it was planned. But what I do know is she was killed that night and I don't think it was her. Yeah, I agree, Cam. I, I think there's a lot of loopholes in terms of this case. There's a lot of obvious things that were, you know, left unsolved. Like, there was evidence that was not picked up. There was evidence that was erased. Um, I, I don't understand what kind of uh, police force in their right mind will let somebody that could be a potential suspect clean himself up during the like, crime scene. Um, not to mention just in general, like, you know, the whole search for suicide, uh, it, it just seems, for me, it seems planted. Um, it, it seems kind of, you know, pre, pre-considered and, you know, having people that in his close proximity that, you know, had that worked in these kind of things, um, I think that it gave him the advantage to plan this out. And um, I mean, and it doesn't seem like a suicide to me. I, I, on, top of, oh, on, on top of all that, Let's say, you know, I, I try to slay all this, you know, side. Let's say, hypothetically, it was suicide. Well, why on earth was his gun not locked away? And why on earth did he not follow the protocol that people who work in the 911 dispatch field should know? And him being a product of two parents who work in the police force and have been doing it their whole lives, there's no reason why he shouldn't have known not to follow the protocol of a death in, in the household. There's so many things that he, quote-unquote, decided to do wrong, and there's just so many things that just don't add up, like his phone, for example. They couldn't find his phone, but then his roommate said his phone was in the bathroom. But then he said he was woken up by his co-worker who said he wasn't at work, and just nothing totally adds up. To it being suicide, but there's a bunch of different things that add up to him doing it. Mm-hmm. And there you have it. That is the 
tragic story of Molly Young. And again, hopefully as the year progresses, that hopefully, you know, especially for the family of Molly Young. And I know I am aware that there is a Facebook group, uh, Justin for Molly Young, I believe. That yep. and I believe they're like twenty thousand strong, if I remember correctly. Something to that effect might be more. Um, but you know they're active, and again they're again waiting and Check hoping, out, hoping that you know there is going to be finally this nearly decade long odyssey will end. Well, um, guys, thank you so much. Uh, this again, this was part two of Molly Young. We will be back soon. Um, and again, Deb, I want to thank you so much. I know you're a very busy woman and whatnot, but to to offer your uh, insight, I me I say on behalf of Cam, I am very appreciative that you could do that. So thank you so much, pal. I love you, Deb. And, uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I do, and, and and I do want at some point later down the road, I do want you to come back because I have a funny feeling that Michael Madigan is going to get arrested. And owing that your uh, your political writing background, I, I just I just know I just have to pick your brain when that happens because I just have a funny feeling. But when you when you bribe Comet of all the fucking places, it, it's gonna have it's gonna have some blowback. So I just have a funny feeling when we I, I have a funny feeling when we do a Michael Madigan maybe in like October November when he's facing trial that you know we'll have Deb back on. So I just have that's just that's just my. Uh, prediction, if you will. But yeah. no, I'm happy to. Um, Cam, they can find the good people. They can find Cam on social media on I like stuff on the Twitter. They can find you on Instagram. On oh man, I'm this is where this is where the Zoloft is kicking in because now I'm losing my memory. I was gonna say Barbo Ho, but that's not. It's Cameron Barbo. Nope. Yeah, it's just Cameron Barber. There we go. And they can find you on Facebook on Cam E. Wren. Cam E. Wren. Oh, man. Well, you can find Birdman on um, Facebook under Alex Cam. And you can find him on Zipika for Birdman for America 2020. Um, and then finally, according to Alex Camp, you will find him on Insta. It's the world, according to Alex Camp. Thank you, and because Deb doesn't is yeah, oh the world of there we go and because and because Deb is a civilized person she doesn't have an Instagram thank God for her but where can they find you on the good book of face um Facebook yes uh, I am actually not very it's hard to find me on Facebook so we just have to come back find us you'll find us yes yeah yeah and especially when we especially as i talk about political stuff and whatnot so that's our that's our wheelhouse but again guys thank you so much we will come back sooner rather than later for cam and for our special guest dub this is bird signing off and we are Kelinoy. be there or be, be killed, or be killed. bitches <laughs>